0: Good
1: evening, everyone. Welcome to the Adafruit Show and Tell. Uh, I'm your host this evening. My name's Liz, uh, and we're going to kick off with folks from Adafruit, showing off what they've been working on, and then we're going to hear from some people from the community. Uh, so first, we're going to talk to Scott. Hey, Scott. How's it going?
2: Hey, Liz. How are you doing? Good.
1: Good. What have you been working on? Uh,
2: yeah, so I've been working on the what I call the web workflow for CircuitPython, which is the ability to uh, edit Files and stuff on uh, Circuit or Python files over the web, specifically from your browser. So awesome. uh, I'll show you what I've got working today. If you could okay. just pop up my screen there. Yeah. So one thing I got working is if I do HTTP CircuitPython. Dot local. Mm. Um, what it did is it redirected me to a specific version of a Python device. So this is a way it can find, like, if if I'm just connected to my network, I don't know what the, like, particular unique bit of the URL is, I can just type circuitpython.local, and it can take me to one of those devices. And what I'll work on tomorrow is the ability to, like, this device could tell you all the other devices. So you could click between all your different devices. Um, But what I also got working is the file system. So if I add fs to the end of this, it's now listing everything in CircuitPy for me. That's great. Um, and I've just played around with the emojis. Nothing. None of this <laughs> is final or anything. Sure. Um, upload doesn't work as well, but if I click into, like, library, you can see that, like, my path changes. There's mm-hmm. nothing in that library folder, so this is actually correct. And okay. I can click up to go back up. And if I want to, like, look at code.py, I can click code.py, and it will download it for me. Awesome. Um, off of the device, uh, boot out works as well. Um, it's super cool. So yeah, working on uh, working on making a web workflow for CircuitPython so that all of these awesome ESP devices will be uh, easier to use, even if they don't have USB.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. The project I did uh, with um, controlling peer data, that would have been really handy to be able to just edit the code on the fly um, on Wi-Fi, so awesome work. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, thank you. Next up, we're going to talk to Melissa.
3: Hello. Uh, hey, how's it going? So I have been working with this. This has just the uh, separate feather wings on here. Very cool. Um, so I've been updating the library so it can kind of treat two different feather wings as one big one. And so a little display I have on here so it does a little marquee across them.
1: <laughs> cool
3: and uh code updates to be able to do that are very minimal because all of it was done in the library itself and i have a pull request in right now so
1: that's great and uh i'm might be using one of future projects so i'm very excited uh oh cool yeah and uh being able to chain them together uh, i think folks will find it really useful
3: yeah yeah there have been a uh a request for that feature open for a while so. Great. I had some good ideas. I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and work on this. Great.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks. Next, we're going to hear from Ney and Pedro. Hey, guys.
3: Hey, Liz. Hey, it's going
4: good. I am going to share my screen here. So here we go. So normally we do 3D printing, right? Um, But (laughs) every, every now and then we like to do some CNC milling. So this week is a CNC milling project. The kind of idea was that uh, I got all these scraps of wood laying around because I've been doing uh, a couple projects. And what can I do with all these cutoff pieces? So I figured let's make some Lego bricks, Lego compatible building blocks. Let's call them yeah. that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> these are uh, two-sided um, operations when you're doing milling. Um, so I start off with the bottom. And then I actually use a, uh, a Lego base plate as the jig holder for doing the top sides. Uh, so that was That's really it. fun to experiment with. Yeah. And uh, so we got a learn guide up, and it uh, it goes through the whole process of uh, facing your material, choosing your material, uh, and then walking through uh, the tool paths in Fusion 360, and then using the Bandim Tools software and the Bandim Tools PCB Mill uh, to make the uh, the two sides. Um, so it's it's a parametric design in Fusion, so you can scale it if you want to make a bigger break or different shaped bricks as well is a is a good thing you folks can try out um but yeah it was a lot of fun experimenting with uh, the different types of wood and and uh, making these bricks that uh also work with uh, real uh, lego bricks and i think the next thing i kind of want to do is uh make some bigger ones if i could get my hands on a bigger cnc i would definitely do the duplo blocks because uh those those are those are big and chonky and kind of fun uh, to make those um but yeah if anybody's looking for a cnc mill project and they're Wanting to do a two sided operation. And they got a lot of cutoff pieces. Definitely try this out. I think it's a good uh, learning lesson in CNC world.
1: That's great. Uh, and it's great sale to see all the different wood finishes, great use of. Yeah, spark.
5: right. And yeah, it's, uh, it's cool.
1: A couple of folks in chat are asking about CNC machine. You folks have the mini Bantam Tools one? Yep,
4: the uh, Bantam Tools uh, PCB mill. But this would also work with the bigger boy, the Bantam Tools desktop CNC. Uh, I'm seeing ones from Carbide 3D. The Nomad one is a fully enclosed one as well, and I'm sure this type of stuff would work with like the bigger builds like the X-Car from Inventables. Um, yeah. Cool.
1: All right. Well, I hope folks check out the Learn Guide, and hopefully we'll see all sorts of little wooden bricks popping up everywhere. Cool.
4: Ah, all right. right. Cool. Mm-hmm. All, right. Thanks. Thanks,
1: all right, next we're going to go to JP. Hey, how's hey. it going?
6: Uh, so I love those wooden Legos, and Uh, I remember when I went to the uh, Lego uh, Land one time, they have like a little history tour kind of section thing. And they talk about the very first Lego products, which were not bricks at all, just wooden toys in the 30s. And there was this wooden duck that was like a little pull toy duck. I think they should make a Lego version of that, but they use the wooden bricks to make the wooden Lego duck. But it would be huge. So that's that's my my plea. Uh, I like it. <laughs> for that so uh, I am back. I was out last week uh, off on vacation, but it's great to be back. And before I left, I started doing on my workshop show. I did a sort of rundown of a bunch of cassette tape uh, methods for doing tape looping and manual control of, of tape, multi track recording onto a uh, uh, Task Cam four track, and some of that was in preparation for some cassette tape mellotron style projects. So. Uh, if you share my screen right now, um, what I have here, this is uh, one of the players that you can get today that's really good for doing this this sort of stuff with. Um, Liz and I looked at the offerings out there and said, hey, the teal is amazing. Uh, these are under $15, I think, online. And uh, this one should work the way I have this one working right now because there's a variable speed potentiometer that's in here just for adjusting it at the factory. Um, But the one that I'm working with right now, this is a really popular one for people who do speed control projects with cassette decks uh, Mm -hmm. because it was a variable speed uh, Walkman from GE with a mic on it, it was designed for dictation, but you could play back and I think record, but definitely play back at different speeds uh, Mm -hmm. in order to slow it down when you're listening back to some notes you've taken presumably. Um, So what I've done with this is I've got um, a little dac board and a cutie pie running to the wiper of the variable speed um potentiometer that the motor is uh, has one of its legs on to see what the voltage is so by controlling that voltage we can control the speed of the motor and therefore the speed of the playback um, what i did on here is i've recorded a tape that's just a sine wave cord uh mm. like 15 minutes of it or so and so when i play that i can then uh, use any MIDI input to my QtPi. Right now it's just over USB MIDI, so I'm using a little host device in the middle. Um, but I can send MIDI, and then that translates that into voltages. Uh, I get about two volts, and usually the standard here is a volt per octave. So I get about 12, uh, 24 or so semitones I can play on here. Uh, and then it's tape, it's warbly, it's kind of cool, and I'm running it through a little bit of an echo and a, an a amp over there. So what I'm going to do is hit play here uh, and a little arpeggio so you can get a taste for it. And then since it's MIDI, you can feed it things other than just you playing on there. And this is where I'll, I'll just uh, play a held arpeggio. And then you can go and adjust things like rate of that. Awesome. And I'm really impressed that this motor can actually yeah, adjust very... to these changes yeah. and it's repeatable. Uh, it's not perfectly in tune, but it kind of hits the same notes every time. Yeah. Um, and it's a neat effect. It, 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 if you go long distances, you can get sort of a portamento effect as it ramps the motor up.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: You can get that up, it okay. up into there. Um, and then in code, you could probably also uh, emphasize that, add, add real glide to it, um, or slewing into notes. Right now, I'm just hitting it with the midi is turning into specific notes so i don't have pitch bend or anything work on there um but i'm, I'm super excited about this i gonna be playing with this tomorrow tomorrow on my show a bit more uh and also looking at some uh maybe some volume control as well so we can gate the notes turn turn the essentially the muting on and off uh and mm-hmm. i'll try doing some of the same stuff with this guy because it's a really easy to easy to find you can get these on ebay too but these are yeah. like brand new and uh and have a, a bunch of cool features that are fun including power over micro USB, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, so. it sounds great I'm uh, excited to work on this with you. So we're gonna have-
6: Yeah, for sure, yeah. Play. And, and uh, a teaser, Liz is gonna take a look at a, a, another approach uh, using a motor driver. So we'll have a couple of methods we can put together in a guide, do a little little uh, history of, of tape playback stuff and some neat examples for people. So yeah, it's that's,
1: awesome. that's what. Awesome, thanks, thanks so much, thanks. a good one. Next up, we're gonna hear from Tim C, foamy guy. Hey Tim,
7: how are you doing? Hey Liz, doing good, how are you?
0: Good.
7: Um, all right, so this week I have a, uh, a basic little game that I put together kind of mostly in proof of concept stage, but I took this uh, last weekend to this local artist uh, events, like a bunch of artists bring tents and pop up tables and set up stuff. So I took this game cool. to play there. Um, it's all outside, it's super basic. It's built with a, uh, a fun house. Uh, NeoPixel Strip, as you can see, I happen to use the ones that just plug right into the the JST right there, so it's super handy, Uh, no soldering. Another JST with some alligator clips uh, running to some longer alligator clips that just plug into the button that I have here on a recycled box. Um, And it basically just bounces this thing back and forth, and your job is to try to stop it in the middle by pressing the button. And the first two, uh, you know, the first couple of levels are pretty easy, and then it starts getting a little harder and harder on you. It speeds up. It makes the target zone smaller. Oh, cool. Uh, And then eventually you will miss one, which will probably be coming up here pretty quick for me. Yep. Uh, And then it will play a couple of the nice LED animations from the LED animations library. Uh, and cycle back around and you can play again by by hitting the button uh, so I took this thing uh, out to that event last week had lots of folks stop by and play it had a couple of kids who kept coming back and played it uh, over and over and got some good yeah. ideas from them on uh, on ways to improve it and stuff so uh, early stages of a project but it's uh, it's proven to be fun already and so I figured it'd be a, a good one to show off uh, the beginnings of
1: that's great uh I worked on a similar kind of game with the Rose brothers I think almost Maybe two years ago, and nice. the stuff you can do um, with Circuit Python and the Neopix and everything to make games is really fun. So I'm glad to see you're experimenting with that.
7: Um, yeah, really cool. yeah, definitely a lot of fun. Folks uh, seem to have a lot of fun playing it as well. So it's definitely a hit, and I like the the way the Fun House uh, has the extra little plugs there. I could do it all uh, nice and easy, no soldering. I can just stuff it inside the box um, to put it away and everything. So
1: that's great, awesome. Yeah. And are you streaming this week?
7: Uh, I am. I'll be on uh, deep dive uh, for Friday and then I'll be around on my stream on Saturday morning as well. Uh, and I'll mention too, if folks are interested in this particular project uh, last week on Saturday during my stream is when I worked on most of the code for this project. So if anyone wants to see uh, the background of that piece of it, you can find it on the, uh, the VOD for last week.
1: Awesome. Your streams are always great. Uh, and thanks for coming by and showing this off.
7: Awesome. For sure. Yep. Thanks, Liz.
1: Have a good one. All right, next we're gonna hear from some folks from the community. Uh, we've got Mark Gambler. Hey Mark, how's it I, going?
8: Great. Okay. Uh, something I've always wanted to build, a uh, small heads up display. This ah. <laughs> may or may not look as good through the I camera. Yeah. Uh, but so far, yeah, it's just using a Google Cardboard lens oh, okay. and a little 3D printed enclosure I made uh the sp32 s2 tft works great just as um the just to have the screen and the microcontroller all in one to hook into the device yeah and then i just ended up uh soldering at one of the gps modules i've got to it just as a sample of something to put up there i'm still trying to find the ideal uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ideal thing to put in my eye as I walk around, but uh, something I'm working on. But very quickly, I was working on something else at the same time, literally up until the start of the meeting. I'm going to share my screen. Mm -hmm. Um, This idea came to me because... The GPS modules got a loop. You have to call update just constantly, mm-hmm. um, which is, of course, it's locked up right now. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, but async IO is perfect for something like this. Yeah. So the problem is, is async IO can still block you still have to call a wait on things Hmm. and specifically the GPS module uses serial over the UART and that can block when you're reading. So right before this, uh, show, I was quickly trying to add in, uh, async IO to the built-in UART module. So right now it's just printing dots on my screen. It doesn't look that exciting, Hmm. but in the background, it is reading the serial connection. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm filtering this because otherwise my exact GPS address will keep showing up. Gotcha. Uh, (laughs) So right now, this is now running async IO so it can do other things while it's busy reading the serial connection. So I hope to have this expanded on some more, but it's a start at least.
1: That's great. That's awesome. Uh async IO, it's really powerful. It's been cool to see you use it. And um, I hope more folks start to use it too, because I think it really expands possibilities, CircuitPython.
8: Yeah, for sure. It's amazing how one random project can sort of lead into something totally unrelated. Yes, <laughs> definitely.
1: All right, thanks for coming okay. by. Me. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right, a couple more folks. Uh, so if we each keep it two or three minutes, should be able to get through everybody for an Engineer. We're going to go to Seth next. Hey, Seth.
3: How's it going? Hey, pretty good. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on. But uh, first, I want to show this uh, Lars's cousin ah! I found working at a carnival locally. Uh, and so I, I had to make sure that everybody got to see that uh, that Lars has good family members, at least. He wasn't uh, you know, cheating too many kids on the carnival rides. Appreciate um, but uh, one thing that I wanted to show off was this uh, FPGA board that I built Um I had gotten into the um, the Lattice FPGAs thanks to some of the people in the community like Scott. Okay. Um, and so I was like, oh, I really want to make a feather. But with part shortage, I was like, oh, I don't really want to make something really small and it not work. Yeah. So I, I blew it out into this bigger design um, okay. so I could test it. And so right now I've got it just uh, uh, running through a, a 32-bit counter. Awesome. Uh, so I was just blinking some LEDs, kind of like a fun way to verify the design and hoping to uh, get the smaller feather board sized on it uh, soon. So it's kind That's of a, a fun, exciting thing to do. I'd fallen out of electronics at the beginning of the year because I burnt myself out, but I'm mm. coming back. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you're coming back, and that looks like a really awesome project and hope you uh, keep coming back to show uh, how it moves along. Definitely. Cool. All right. Have a good one, Seth. All right, next we're going to go to Sophie. Hey, Sophie, how's it going?
9: Hey, hi, Liz. Hi, everyone. Um, (laughs) I've been doing a lot of 3D printing on fabric. And um, I've been doing it for a while and experimenting with different formats and stuff. And I've been doing a lot of like flat 3D printing on fabric where the pieces are really um, short, so they're kind of quick prints and they can cover a large area quickly but I wanted yeah. to try doing, like more dimensional printing on
8: mm-hmm. fabrics
9: so I made this crazy oh, thing oh, <laughs> it's so for, like a collar oh. and, and uh yeah it's super dimensional it's like um this is probably two inches high or maybe an inch and a half or so okay. um and maybe a quarter inch thick each piece. So it took about two days to print uh, it. Yeah. but it's all printed on fabric. And then I backed it on um, on some silk fabric. So it's mm. really staple. And then I hid some electronics in there. So okay. these kind of dots um, mm. light up. And so it kind of, I'll show you what it looks like, you know, on a human-ish figure. Um, I've got the lights are just um, neopixels, and I have a. Oh, before I stick it on, I'll show you. I have a uh, trinket, ancient cool. trinket, <laughs> uh, but it still works. And yeah. um, and then I just have like the wire running down to a battery pack, and mm-hmm. the thought is you just like clip that to your dress or something, Perfect. Yeah. and then and it just you know it's kind of like a rough or. Um, a collar and it has this unexpected like kind of weird percussive thing going on. I think there is
1: some sort of percussive instrument that has that kind of vibe where it's kind of foldy and it makes some that kind of. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Like a rattle kind of a noise. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect it, but it has, it ended up having that quality. So yeah. Yeah, just another weird uh, 3D printing on fabric experiment.
1: It looks awesome, and it's cool to see it. Um, I've seen folks, you know, print on the mesh like you were showing, but to see it on the silk, um, that's really cool. I didn't realize you could do different types of fabric.
9: Yeah, and um, some other people, like David Shorey, he prints on all kinds of different substrates. Like He's printing on, like, paper, like, uh, rice paper and... Mm -hmm uh steel mesh and stuff like that I'm still printing on mesh in this fab in this piece mm-hmm. but then I'm backing that onto oh, silk and sewing okay. it down yeah because the mesh actually just is a really nice way to like adhere it really well yeah, yeah grab the like,
1: um, textured bill plates almost but
9: exactly it. yeah 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 awesome
1: thank you for coming by Sophie always great to see what you're working on
9: thanks for having me good to see everyone see yeah all
1: right And next, we are going to go to John. Hey, Liz.
5: (laughs) Doing all right. How are you? Good, good. What have you been working Uh, on? So a while back, I came on here and showed off my uh, uh, my keychain backup holder. Right. I'm using the Omega-2. There's not much of a community around the Omega-2. So I've been working on a new version Mm. uh, with a Raspberry Pi in it. so so, OK. the reason I I went with the Omega Two is I wanted to have the the USB port, ports on the front, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just plug it in here. But uh, it doesn't seem too bad. I can get it in there pretty easy.
6: Yeah.
5: And so uh, that's my my next version that I'm doing with the Raspberry Pi. Uh, pretty exciting. But uh, so the next steps on this, now that I have the case for it, I'm gonna update my software so it'll support the Raspberry Pi with the encrypted file system and uh, have the install, so it's really easy to set up. But that's what I've been working on.
1: That's great, and uh, I I think your project's so cool. Um, like being able to have the backup on you, um, it's really great and awesome. They are going to be porting it to the Raspberry Pi.
5: Yeah, it's I, I love using it. So I, I'm I'm hoping I can find some other people that think it's awesome too and can help me out on it. So
1: yeah, totally. All right, cool. thanks, John. Thank
5: you. Thanks. See ya.
1: And last but not least, we're going to have Cedar Grove play us out. Hey there. How's it going?
0: Well, I've been on a – and Liz, how are you?
1: Good, how are you? (laughs) Good.
0: I've been on a quest, and the quest is to put brightness controls on all of the displays. So it started with the titano. I was putting an HP calculator on here, and uh, I found that the brightness range of the titano wasn't the same as the –
1: Oh, I think you froze up. I'm back now? You're back. Yeah, I can hear
0: you. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'll just cut to the the chase then. Um, The most difficult brightness control I found was RGB LEDs. Mm,
1: Yeah.
0: And um, the problem with this is that it takes an FPGA or something really powerful to get into the background of the display and make some changes. But I found a technique to use with Display.io. Here's a potentiometer. Get okay. this me. and I can control.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: I can control the way the RGB is being interpreted by Display I/O, and then adjusting it and the gamma of the brightness for the screen. And uh, it's it's working pretty well now. It's all done in software. There's no hardware in the background. Well,
1: oh, I think you froze up again. Um but uh I'm gonna find that uh to be really handy. Uh I know I've needed to use that a couple times to adjust brightness and everything. Um uh but I think C. Grover's internet has gone out. Um but thank you for showing that. And that's gonna do it for tonight's show and tell. Uh thanks everyone for coming by and showing your projects. Uh and Ask Engineer is gonna be starting up in five minutes.